Welcome in, everyone, to episode three of the Justin Ledger Show. This is a great one featuring an interview with Jessica Kleinschmidt of NBC Sports Bay Area. I interviewed Jess about two years ago when she was with MLB's Cut 4, and now we're actually colleagues at NBC Sports. We had a really good chat back then, and I think this one's even better. We talked about a wide variety of topics, including her podcast Corked Up with Trevor Bauer's agent Rachel Luba, how her and Rachel are setting an awesome example for women in sports, her personal experiences working in the field, and a lot more. If you haven't already, it'd be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review. We're just getting started. I'm looking forward to more fun episodes like this one in the future. And on that note, here's episode three with Jessica Kleinschmidt. All right, I'm happy to have on Jess Kleinschmidt. If you follow baseball at all, you already know who she is. But she's a great follow on Twitter. If you don't follow her already, I, hi- I highly recommend it. How have you been, Jess? First of all, that's a, that's a question I'm asking all of my interviewees because it's that time. I mean, it's 2020. You got to ask how people are doing. How have you been through this whole pandemic? You know, I'm actually, all things considered, doing okay. I mean, I yeah. launched two shows. I covered a baseball season. I feel like... I'm probably one of the lucky ones. I'm and I'm, yep. so I'm I'm very very blessed and thankful that I still have a job through all this, but it's not easy. Certain days are easier than others and other days are harder than others. So, but my family's healthy. Yep. Um I have, like I said I have a job still. My friends are doing well. So life is pretty good all things considered. Yeah, I actually had uh, I don't know if you know Steve Buckley from The Athletic. We had a long conversation in episode one of this podcast about just kind of, you, you, this is a year to reflect on everything that you have. You know what I mean? Like right. if you lost your, like there's people out there who have lost their jobs, the lost loved ones, they lost their health. We are in, if you're in that position where you have those three things, then you're doing just fine. All things you're considered. doing amazing, sweetie, yeah. if you have those things. Yeah. So last time we talked, Ashley, it was on my former baseball podcast. And you yeah, were how long co- ago was that? I was going to ask you that same question. I'm not good with like remembering time. I got the NBC job, right? I think it was too. I think it was actually like not long before it though. So I think probably what, two years ago? Yeah. So I got, I just had my two year anniversary on November 12th. So that's, that's pretty good for Jess's standards as far as relationships (laughs) go. Um, But yes, I think it was right before I moved from Reno when I was on your show. Okay. So you were at cut four and then shortly afterwards you joined NBC sports Bay area. So we're technically colleagues now, which Mm -hmm. is great. Uh, Crazy. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. (laughs) How has that transition been for you? Was it a smooth one in the beginning or was it challenging? How exactly did it go? So the move itself was really easy. I got so lucky. NBC took care of me um, and all of that. One of those things where you get, because I moved here and it was like, wait, so the house worked out beautifully, the movers, everything yeah. like worked out beautifully to the point where like, wait a second. So the move itself was really easy. And I'm only three, way, three hours away from my family if anything should go bad. So I have that going. Um, but starting out the job was, was tough only because I'm used to a small town and I had to commute into work. I'd ride the train and the big city. Um, and then I went from covering one sport to Bay Area for NBC has the most sports out of all the RSNs. So I, ha- I, w- I was hitting the ground running. Right when I get there, of course, the Warriors are on their way to the finals. So I'm like, 
cool. I don't, all I know is Aisha Curry. So what am I supposed <laughs> to do? Um, so to learn. Actually, yeah. So I love the challenge of it. And that's ultimately why I left cut four. Um, and I don't want to say I left cut four, but because they wanted to keep me and I wanted to stay there. It was like, I got to cover baseball with my best friends. It was the coolest right. gig ever. And they gave me a show and everything like that. But I wanted the challenge and probably the most challenging thing you can do is go from covering 30 teams to the A's full-time, which I prayed for. I always wanted to cover the A's. So the fact that I get to do that is fantastic. And the Giants, like two stark different teams, different organizations. And then, you know, the Warriors and the Niners were on their way to the Super Bowl and like all these cool things. So I look back at it, looking back at it now, it was phenomenal. But in the moment, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. At the very beginning, it was tough. But I, I thrive on people doubting me and me doubting myself, of course. So it was good and it was tough. And I ultimately glad, I'm glad that I made the decision because it's been, it's been really fun. What's been the most rewarding experience so far? I know you probably have so much more you want to accomplish, but to this point, what are you most proud of that you've done? I'm glad you asked that because people think like, oh, she's, she's set. And it's like, sure. Um, I could do this for the rest of my life and like be stagnant, but that's not my mentality. I think so far is just honestly the platform I've built. Um, I, I don't just write about sports, like being a woman in the industry, you have extra pressure. And I'm, Mm -hmm. and like, I have to remind myself, like, I'm going to fuck up. It's going to happen, but I don't want the women watching me. I want the women to watching me knowing that they're going to fuck up too, especially in this industry. Typos, as you know, happen. um, All the time. People don't realize like you're not going to be perfect. It's going to go through an editor too. Like they're going to miss it. And then it's not a a perfect process. Exactly. Um, And so it, I, I, it's just different for women. And I was actually just having this discussion with um, my boss the other day. And it's just like, I have an extra target on me. You've seen yes. my mentions, Justin. Yes, you would never I sure those, have. You would never get those mentions because you're you're a man. Um right. and it's just different. But I also I'm not gonna complain about it. I'm just gonna be like, cool. I'll dunk on the Twitters every now and then, but I have to move on. So I feel like developing a platform and reminding myself that it's bigger than just a job has been rewarding and challenging, but I and a lot of pressure, but not yeah. on them on myself because I want to make sure that no woman is scared to start not just in this industry but any industry where they're they don't they feel like they don't belong so that alone that's like the bigger picture but I mean little moments like covering um Twitter flew me out to the World Series last year that was really cool um covering two postseasons one from home one actually at the postseason um watching the A's win a wild card game (laughs) was pretty cool Um, yeah yeah, like because I'm an A's fan so like over the years like damn dude um, and working with Dallas Braden was probably a cool moment just because I remember looking up to him and now yeah. he's not only a colleague, but he's a, he's a dear friend of mine and people that you used to look up to are now asking you for advice. Like when we hired, um, Dontrell Willis, he was like, I can't wait to learn from you. And I was like, what, like, what am I, what world am I living in? So just stuff like that. I feel like the stuff that's bigger than sports is the stuff that really kind of who hits home and then knowing that my mom and my family can see me back in Reno because they get the channel is really right. cool. You know, just, but the overall is just like being a woman and, and developing a platform to, to do all that is, is great, but you're right. I, there's so much more I want to accomplish. I'm glad you brought up being a woman in the industry because this is a conversation we had. Uh, a, we had a pretty long conversation about it on the last podcast, but it's one that doesn't get old because it's still a very, 
important topic today. The fact that that for whatever reason is like a taboo thing of like, there's, there's people out there who will see a woman talking sports and they'll, they'll have this reaction that almost like they want it to be complimentary, but it's very like the way they get it across is just very, very, like, it's not complimentary at all. Like, yeah, I feel like, like don't that say happens. I'm good for a girl. Just say I'm Exactly. Good. That's what I'm saying. So you started that podcast, Corked Up with Rachel Luba, who's Trevor Bauer's agent. I think she, she's Yasiel Puig's agent, if Yasiel I'm not mistaken Puig's as well. agent, Carlos Gomez, yeah. Okay. So uh, the, the reason I bring that up is because you two are phenomenal role models for women in this industry. And I think it's, it's important for any woman, if they're listening to this and they want to break in, they, they should be listening to you because you've done it. They, they should be listening to Rachel Luba because she's done it. I think she was just on the 30 under 30 for Forbes. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. So what advice would you have to those women who might be having doubts about themselves entering this industry? What would you give? Well, it's, it's bigger than the industry, Justin. I feel like yeah. women have so much pressure on themselves. Like I struggle with, I have so much, so, such bad imposter syndrome. You could lay all the shit that I've accomplished on a piece of paper. And I feel like that's, that's not me. I didn't do all those things. Right. Um, so I feel it's, it's more or less saying F the world, you know, you have to find out who you really are. And it's so, so easy to say, but so difficult to execute. And so the number one thing I always tell people, they're like, oh, what, what advice do you have for women to start in the sports industry? And I say, don't do it only because I want to see their reaction. Okay. Half of the girls will be like, oh, okay. <laughs> the other half, my girls will say, fuck you, Jess, I'm going to do this. Um, I should have asked if I'm allowed to cuss on this, but it's fine. absolutely you can. Okay, yes. cool, cool. Um, and, and also not, and not just because it's a tough industry. This is, this goes beyond just like women. Cause a, I, my schedule's crazy. I, if I'm in the middle of dinner and I need to do a one-on-one -on -one with Yasiel Puig, I have mm -hmm. to do it right then and there. Um, I can't just be like, Oh, Yasiel Puig can like chill for a bit. I have to wait <laughs> for this. Um, so it's just like, it's tough. And the more and more I, I continue to do that, the more opportunities are presented and that that's going to ruin your social life. My dating life isn't great. I mean, not, it's not like it's not great. It's just hard to date. It's hard to of course, yeah. make new friends. And, and you need, I needed a Rachel Lube in my life beyond just the podcast. Like she just gets me and I get her. And it's just because we're in this unique industry, unique situations where we do have women looking up to us. So it's, it's more or less about being true to who you are and you have to be authentic. You, it's so important Definitely. because in this world where everybody's fake as fuck and they're trying to be the next Katie Nolan, don't even be the next Jess Kleinschmidt, right. be the first you. And that's when I switched. That's when, that's when I noticed opportunities started opening up for me. When I stopped trying to be like Katie Nolan or trying to be like Susan Slusser or trying to be like Sarah Spain, I was like, this is exhausting trying to be them. And it's so, so hard to do too, because you see so their success and yeah, you're like, oh, that's what, that's the spot I want to be in. But you right. kind of have to carve your own role. Otherwise people can be like, we already have a Sarah Spain. We already have a Just Fine. Exactly. Already, so, so why, think why, why do we need another? Exactly. So think about it this way. If you're going through life and you're presenting who you think you should be and people are coming into your life, those people don't know who you actually are. Those mm -hmm. opportunities don't know who you are. So it's like, going through life with a fake ass resume and telling yourself to perform like that's not fair to you. So right. it, it's just, you know, finding your, who you really are. And you know, you really have to understand like the blood, sweat and tears that goes in this industry. Like for me, I was like, I'm a college dropout. I didn't go to school. Like I, I'm not 
but I'm not saying that that means everybody should do that. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in education. Um, but I learned a different way and you can't take no's to heart. You have to be like, okay, so this is a no, let me figure out a way to go around it. So, you know, and just like how Rachel and I view the game is, is different from a lot, not just of men, but just from different people. Cause I was raised around the game and she was introduced to it, watching it from like Trevor Bauer time, you know, UCLA and stuff like that. And we also just, we support one another and we're very proud of each other's accomplishments. And, and that's so hard to find other women. You, it shouldn't surprise you because women are crazy, but, um, I, I didn't, I didn't say that. No, you we should. are, we are, we hundred percent are guys, are, <laughs> guys are dumb. Women are crazy. It just is what it is. That's that's fair statement. Okay. Yes. All guys, all my guy friends are like, yeah, we're stupid. I'm like, hey, well, he said it. We're crazy. So it's chill. Um, but fair I, trade. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's about that. You want to find out who you really, really are and you're not going to find it overnight. And I'm, I still don't know a hundred percent who I am still discovering who I am, but that's the beauty part of the journey. And this industry will, will make you figure that out quickly. And so, um, but I, I genuinely, you have to work hard. You have to network. You have to put so much content out there. Even if you're not getting paid for it, don't be too proud. Don't go on Twitter bitching and complaining about being a woman in the industry and not work because then you're making us look bad. We know it's bad. We know it's bad. Just go out there and do it. Um, Stop complaining, put your nose to the stone and grind and take no shit. And, and when people, the stereotype will always be there, but we like the women in my circle, my warriors, my Queens, they're phenomenal. And I'm always available to the young women who are scared. I will talk to you on FaceTime. I'll talk to you on Twitter. I'll talk to you whatever. Send me an email. I'm very open about that stuff, but also don't waste my time. If you want my yep. advice and you're not going to take it or at least listen to it, then you don't belong in this industry. It's pretty simple. There's so many people that want to work in, work here and work their asses off. Yep. And that's why so I keep competitive. It. Yeah. So it's a lot, um, but it's, it's, it's possible, you know? Yeah. So obviously women have to put into the work, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to absolutely grind in this industry. There's no doubt about that, but say a woman's doing everything they can. Sometimes they're not, it's, they don't get a fair shot compared to maybe the guy who's doing the exact same thing. I think that's pretty obvious. And if people overlook that, then they're just choosing to overlook it because it's clear. What can men do on their side? And this is a question I don't think is asked enough. What can men do to help the women in this industry out and not be one of those people who's kind of, you know, just, I guess, doubting the women who have that ability? Like, what can we do to help them out? Just be an ally and swallow your pride, dude. Like, I'm not, a lot of us didn't, like, I played baseball up until my sophomore year of high school. That's about the equivalent of a lot of guys that I work with. Mm -hmm. So don't say that we didn't, we don't have the same resume when it comes to baseball, like, and whatever. So it's, and it's also just like, we have to study it differently too, and just have our backs too. And especially if you see something bad happening, you see something inappropriate, fucking speak up because a lot of Mm -hmm. times women are scared to say something and, you know, with, with the sexual harassment stuff these days, and it's, I've been lucky, but not a lot of women have. Um, But it's just like, you know, have our backs without, we don't have to babysit us, but just, you know, know that we're on the same playing field and we're doing the same thing. And, but we're just going to have to unfortunately be better. And I'm, this is, this happened since little league, you know, yeah. I always had to be extra good. Kim Eng way, way overqualified, but she had to be. And unfortunately right. it had to do with her gender. I don't care what you say. It had to do with her gender. 
Well, it's been like 20 years of her being in a front office. I mean, it's, yeah, 30 years you can look at her resume, it's clear that this was long overdue. Right. So it's just, you know, and don't, and, and know that we're struggling too. And, but don't treat us like we're babies. Like treat us like, like we're colleagues, we're on the same playing field, but just treat us with grace too, just because like we have it a little bit more difficult, but don't baby us. So and be our allies, you know, have our backs. And it's one thing I will give the credit to is the guys in my life before I found like female mentors, they were just phenomenal. And often I forget I'm a woman just because I, I just go there and do my job, what have you. And like, I try not to think about it too much. Um, but, and hopefully I'm gaining respect from that, but just be on our side. You know, you don't have to be our best friend. You don't have to be our boyfriends. You can just be there for us. And if you see something that we need help with, like, listen to us, you know, have mm -hmm. our backs. Cause we'll do the same for you. Like one of my really good friends, Katie, she was in the A's clubhouse. I could tell she was nervous. So I took her underneath my wing and I was like, but I didn't baby her. I pushed her. She was nervous right. to talk to a player. I'm like, go fucking talk to him. You have go to. get your interview. Go yep. now. And, and she did. And, you know, of course the girl thing, I took photos of it cause she needs to put on Instagram, <laughs> but you know, it's just like that. And I, I want my guy friends to be like that too. And I have amazing male colleagues and friends that are just beyond amazing. And also don't be scared to ask a woman for advice. Like I'll, oftentimes I'll get a call from somebody who's a man. He's like, Hey, I look up to you. You know how cool that is? That is cool. That's yeah. That's okay for a man to look up to me. That's amazing. For sure. And and so it's just from that that thing. But we we don't hate men. We that doesn't mean, you know, feminism doesn't mean we hate men. Women working this industry doesn't mean we hate men. We love men. We just we have it a little bit different than they yeah. do. So you I think you handled Twitter trolls pretty well at this point. Has there been a point where it just weighed on your mental health and you wanted no part of social media? And, and, and does that still happen where it's like, this is too much. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Not, not even just being a woman. I think like everyone deals with those assholes on Twitter these days. You can't have a conversation anymore. Is it, how much has that weighed on your personal mental health? Um, pretty, pretty bad. And, I, and, and that's another thing too. We should all admit that a stranger online made us upset. That's yeah. fucking normal. Um, and we were just talking about, I, I do know I have it a little bit more different than everybody at work, everybody at, at my job. There's no way in hell they get it as bad as I do. Maybe a couple of the players and stuff like that, but you know, or former players, I should say, it's just, I'm a target. Um, but yeah, I probably delete Twitter once or twice a week off of my really? phone. Yeah. Just to Only kind of clear your head a little bit? Clear my head, but it's it's yeah. difficult just because, unfortunately, like, all the content I'm creating, I have to tweet it out and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, um, so it, it messes me up quite a bit. But I've had really bad situations where I've had to go to, you know, my managers about things that people are saying that are, A, just lies. And then I've mm -hmm. had really inappropriate people that, um, you know, harassed me and and – I've had stalkers. I've been sexually harassed. So yeah, it's tough. But at the same time, as time goes on, I'm a little bit more numb to it. Not numb in a bad way. It's just like, okay, this person's obviously struggling. But recently this guy out of nowhere came at me. I wanted to say he was saying I was like sleeping with somebody on the Houston Astros. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? So I like quote tweeted him and, and dunked on him. And then somebody was like, hey, you should check out their profile. 
I looked at their profile and they were struggling. They were going through some shit. So I DM'd him. That and tends I was like, to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I DM'd him and I was like, hey, I, I, I feel really bad for what I said. It seems like you're going through some stuff. Turns out his mom recently died and I just happened to be the first thing he saw on his timeline and he came at me and he apologized. We both did. And so, I mean, I'm not going to have that with everybody ever. Some people are just assholes it is what it is. Right. That one in particular, I was like, I mean, you need to have some grace with them. And I would rather be a target than a lot of the young girls scared to get in the industry um, and everything like that. But I also want there to be an awareness that it happens because you need to know like the bullshit that we deal with and why we have it a little bit more difficult. You wouldn't say half of the things you would to me, to a, to a guy at all. So, and it's tough. And I hate admitting that like stuff on the social media, it's beyond just getting trolled. Like you see somebody, an ex-boyfriend on social media, and that's going to ruin your day. Or you're going to see like an inspirational quote from during the wrong time. And, and social media is a whole thing, but you know, you have your family who, didn't vote for the same guy as you did on Facebook and all those things. But so social media is tough, but when you're a public figure, it's a little bit more tough. And then I often overthink things and I worry that something, somebody's going to misconstrue something I say and everything like that. So it's tough, but it's okay to admit when a stranger online pisses you off. Um, but I'm a firm believer in just like deleting it and, and going about the rest of your day. I've, I've done that before during all-star break, unless I'm actually at the all-star game, I delete social media for it can, it can be a good choice. I mean, it, but you do have to reflect. Yeah. You, you do have to reflect on a little bit like these people. Mo I would say even like 90% of them, 95% of them don't have an avatar. They're not putting themselves out. They they're scared. They know what they're doing. Like they're scared of being exposed for who well, they are. Yeah. One guy in particular was coming at me like crazy and he's an A's fan. He's like, I've never even heard of you. I was like, I literally have a press Past saying that I work for NBC Sport. I don't, what do you, like, I don't know. I don't care that you never heard of me. I'm supposed to be here. It doesn't here. matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then I, and then when I went to Twitter, when I went to World Series with Twitter, people were really pissed off. I'm like, well, that's because they sent me, not you. Literally. Exactly. You're just and so this guy was like, you're a star fucker. You're trying to fuck the whole team. And as time Such went an on, easy thing to say. Like, it's such an easy thing. Yeah. What a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you think I'm pretty enough to date a base. <laughs> but okay. Um, and so as time went on, you could tell like he put all of his information out and as time went on, the more, the worse he got, he kept being more and more anonymous. And, um, I, I stalked this guy, but tried to figure out who he was. And he was a former firefighter in a neighboring County. And the moment he retired was when he started coming at me and I was like, Oh, you got bored when you had like a job with the, like a prestigious job, you were yeah. really, you know, fine and then you retire and now you're awful and so and so people even notice like wow he went from putting his name out there to like now it's a fake name and all this other stuff so it's like you if you're going to come at me at least be man enough to be who you actually are because if i'm going to take it i'm at least going to be myself taking it you know so it's just it's just like that so there's some scary scary things that happen but at the end of the day Twitter is the reason why I have this job at NBC. Twitter is the reason it's why- It's a catch-22, yeah. Yeah, I met Rachel Luba. I met some of my best friends on social media. I I have a lot of work opportunities because of social media. So it's a lot of give and take, um, but I, I can't confidently say that it hasn't pissed me off every now and then because it pisses me off at least twice a week. At oh, least. same. I don't even deal with a quarter, a percentage of what yeah. you deal with. Like my mentions- I. 
believe me, we all get them. Like I work in sports media, so I'm going to get some shit every now and then, but I, I'll look at yours and it's a dumpster fire. That's what um, I say too. Like, I'll see one of my colleagues are like, oh, they, they came at me with a typo. I'm like, oh. That's it? <laughs> okay. You must one be having a nice was, day. One guy said I was fat and I'm dying alone. So go terrible. on with your typo. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, you mentioned Rachel Luba. So how did, I want to know, how did that relationship start? And how did you guys come up with this idea for this Corked Up podcast? Admittedly, I haven't listened to it. So if you want to talk about what it's about Nothing. and everything. It's I, like know, I know, I know. I I'm have listened kidding. to Bok Talk though, repping NBC a little bit, but I okay. haven't listened to Corked Up yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, somebody the other day, I was, both of my podcasts were on their Spotify top podcasts of the year. And I was like, fuck, dude, like I've made <laughs> it. Like that's dope. Um, so Rachel and I met on Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we, That'd be a great story. That'd be a great story. Um, yeah. So I ran, I swear, so I believe in God. Like I swear God put Rachel in my life. So, um, I read this article on this girl and I was like, wait, how come I've never heard of her? And she had like only like a, like 30 followers on Twitter. And I was like, oh, it's a fake account. There's like whatever. But she tweeted this article of her and I can't remember who wrote it, but it was like really interesting. She's Trevor Bauer's agent. And I'm a huge Trevor Bauer fan. Him and I've like interacted online before. Um, and I love him as a pitcher, but I love him so much more as a guy who creates content. Mm -hmm. And the reason why was because he was pissed off at the media twisting his words. Now, obviously I'm a reporter. I, I, I do that. So here I'm thinking like, you know what? I think I could learn something from him. So I followed her on Twitter, instant follow back. She didn't, she wasn't even trying to make it coy. Um, and I just so, want to say I didn't get the follow back. So okay, you might have to, just yeah, I, I'm just saying I didn't get the follow back. So you must've been doing something right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she DM'd me pretty quickly and she's like, Hey, like, are you going to spring training? Trevor wants to have you on his podcast. And I was like, I didn't wait. Well, I didn't even know Trevor knew like who like I actually was. And and she's like, no, he's, he's a fan of you. He's like, he likes your stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, Surreal. What? Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, whatever. If I have time, I'll go on Trevor Bauer's podcast. Like I'm super busy. <laughs> um, so now I was going to go to the momentum house and like go on his podcast. And then like a few days later, before I get down there, she's like, actually, um, Tyke, who's the co- founder of Momentum with Trevor mentioned you as possibly like um, co-hosting my podcast. They want me to start a podcast. And I was like, interesting. Okay. Um, and th I thought it would be like an audition thinking there's, there'd be like a bunch of us. Right. And so I show up at the Momentum house, get a tour, I meet Trevor, everything like that, meet all of his people, see how they make all the content. It's really, really cool. And so her and I just sit down and it was supposed to be like a 30 minute conversation. We ended up, talking for two and a half hours about everything, sports, whatever. Our chemistry was instant. It was so weird. I like literally walked in the house and hugged her. I was like, I think this is going to work out well. So Trevor liked it. Trevor liked the dynamic. He liked um, our chemistry. And like, I could talk about what, what it's like in the media covering the sport. And when she, of course, agency and like, it's mainly about her, but she learned, we learned a lot from each other. And so that's when it launched. Um, we came up with a bunch of names and Trevor threw some names in, Tyke threw some names in, Alec Palmer, who's our, who's the marketing guy, who's phenomenal, threw some names in. And um, just, it was great. And then it was born. And then of course the pandemic hit and um, which was like maybe two weeks later when everything just shifted. Um, so we had to call an audible to do everything from home, which was, difficult at first that we figured it out. 
And it's, it's been an insanely good success ever since. And, you know, I, we have like merchandise coming out, um, wine related, non-wine related and stuff, but that's how it was born. And we've just, she's become like one of my best friends and, you know, sometimes we'll finish corked up like recording it and then we'll FaceTime for a couple hours, just catching up on life because it's just like stuff. But yeah, like I get to learn so much from her and like what she has to deal with and, and and she asks me about certain things in the media, but it's, that's how it was born. It's been like so much fun. That's great. Does she, I'm guessing you guys probably bond a lot on, cause she probably gets a ton of shit as well. Like, Oh, you're a woman yeah. agent. Like Trevor, this is Trevor Bauer's agent. I'm not saying I'm saying that. I'm just saying like, that's, a, a weird thing like a reaction oh, that yeah. guys probably have they'll send me screenshots and it's the worst are the youtube comments they're the, the well yeah I mean, you can't go go down the youtube comment mm -hmm. rabbit hole yeah. like i highly yeah. recommend against that yeah so she well we definitely bond over that we, we bond over our challenges but we also bond on overcoming those challenges and and you know she needs to be a cheerleader for me sometimes and i need to be a cheerleader for her and you know, you want to surround yourself with people who are successful and everything like that. But she's also just, I'm also her comic relief with a lot of the bullshit that she deals with. That's, that's my job. I'm the funny friend, if you will. Yeah, you guys, you guys compliment each other well. Yeah. What, what is the go-to wine? I have to ask that question. I'm on a Pinot Noir kick right now. Okay. I've never had, it. I actually am yeah. turning into a wine guy though. A little bit. Well, I mean, my girlfriend buys like, like sweet wines and I'll just have it with her. But like, I also am kind of dabbling in like, like other, I'm trying to figure out what's right. I'll send you some links to some wines. If you're a sweet Perfect. wine, I'll help you out. Well, yeah. I'm not really, I'm not necessarily like, I'll drink anything. Like that's kind of just how I am. I'll drink like a, I don't know, like a craft beer one day and then I'll have wine the next night or that I'll have, like, I don't really care. So just any, it doesn't have to be sweet, could be red, could be whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm looking some for some ideas. recommendations. I okay. got you. Perfect. Uh, so another big part of your job is putting yourself out there on all platforms, podcasting, video. Uh, I believe you've done some television too, correct? Yeah, I'm on, well, I did television for the A's stuff. Yeah, I'll be on television next week. Perfect. There's a nice little teaser for everybody. Um, it, it, A's review show on NBC Sports California next Wednesday, fam. Tune in. Uh, how Have you always been comfortable with doing that? Or is that no. something you had to exercise that muscle a little bit of like, I like, like the, how nerve wracking where it was it at the beginning. I liked the idea of it. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I can go on like, cause I'm very comfortable around people. Like I don't get nervous, but the first time I was ever on camera, I couldn't tell you how to spell MLB. It was the weirdest thing. It's, it's a, it's a fucking foreign object. Um, Strange, yeah. so it was humbling. And then as I got used to it, it was fine. But like the show that they gave me at cut four, was just me in my room like doing it and that's different too but when you're on set it's in the studio it's it's a little bit different or on assignment it's just like a different dynamic because you have like so many things like yelling at you or go to this camera go to that camera and one time um i had to host a's pregame live and i found out an hour before because that show the host couldn't make it and i did okay i didn't do bad i had dave stewart with me who was like the perfect person to be there for me and he was acting like everything was fine. He was like, oh yeah, just you got this. I'm like, I, do I? It's live. <laughs> it's live television, Stu. That's even worse, yeah. But live is actually better for me because when I try to do so many reps, I get the first rep done if it's scripted. And then I'm like, oh, I can do better. The next 80 of them after that are not better. So right. it's different from that dynamic. Um, 
but it took an, it took a while. And I guess, I guess actually not that bad, maybe six months. I felt like, cool, I'm, I'm normal. I, I can do it. But I mean, now I'm just used to being in front of this camera, which I'm, that's still, you have to teach yourself because you have to look at the camera for like, you know, the VODs when you do it, when you cut them, people aren't going to remember that I was, when you're looking at the camera, you're looking at them, but you're not looking at them because they're right there and just little things like that. And, um, but I feel like I'm more comfortable on camera in any situation, not a big deal. Um, so, but it, it took, it took maybe a year two to really be like that. But now I'm like, I feel like I can do anything, which is kind of cool. Cause it's so like, you don't my feel, so you don't feel like nerves if you're going on set. Do you, does, does that, I, I can tell you that I haven't been on set in like eight months, gotcha, but okay. we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know when it happens. Yeah. But- I'm just, I, the only reason I ask cause I have not been put in that situation. Even when I'm doing a podcast like this, like leading up to it, I, it's almost like I'm like, it's a good nervous, like I'm getting ready for a game, like something like that. Like, I feel like it, it kind of gets you in the zone, but at the same time you have doubts in your head. Am I going to be, am I going to do this right? Am I going to do that right? Right. Um, so I, I guess it kind of translates a little bit. I actually have good advice for that. So when I first went into a big league clubhouse, I was scared shitless. Oh, same. Yep. But they don't know that. I had to walk in there acting like it was my millionth clubhouse I had been yeah. in. I'm just like, I almost act like I'm annoyed. I'm like, oh, I have to go talk to Marcus Simeon. Like it's part of an assignment. But inside, mom is ju- I'm, I'm like stoked, you know, but also freaking, freaking nervous and stuff like that. But now after the umpteenth time, it's like, cool, like it's part of the job. And then, you know, it's asking the question and everything like that. And now I just feel comfortable with it. So you have to like literally fake it till you make it. And that's, Cause I didn't, I don't have any formal training. I just had to go out and do it. And that's just luckily me being myself. Cause this is pretty much who I am on Bok Talk. It's who I am on Corked Up. It's who I am on set. And even when they told me I was covering the A's full time, they said, be yourself. Like, don't try to be too reportery. And it, that, that was probably my most difficult thing because when you're telling people AJ Puck had surgery, you can't be like chill, laid back, Jess, you do have to be a reporter. But if you're too much, my mom will be texting me and be like, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. You're right. But you also have to be concise with your news, right? You can't be talking shit, but right. also like be a little bit more Jess and laid back. People do come to the show sometimes just to like see me and like, that sounds stupid, but just is what it is, you know? So I'm glad you mentioned uh, first time in a clubhouse. Cause I went to Fort Myers two years ago. Uh, and that was my first time covering anything. Never mind like going into a clubhouse. Like that was the first time I've ever traveled anything. First thing that happens is it's a, I, I go in the clubhouse and all of a sudden it's Mookie Betts just standing right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, great. Like now the nerves are here. Like I, I'm talking to people before, like I'm not going to get starstruck. I did internships. I've done this. I've done that let me tell you it's nerve wracking. So what, what advice would you give like to build that relationship with a player like that when you're, when you're first putting yourself out there to them, because most of who they talk to are people who have been in the beat for like years and years. So how do you kind of establish that relationship? You just have to act like you're meeting that they're people, right? So I I would walk up to you and introduce myself. Um, maybe not shake hands anymore. Now you can be more like chill. You can be like the elbow bump or the bump because like COVID, like idea. you can actually yeah. chill and laid back. So just like that, I just say, like, say where you're from, like, Hey, like, um, make it like it's an assignment, but you're, you're a human being too. So like the Mike fire stuff, I didn't have to ask him about any of the Astro stuff 
But if I did, I would have no problem. Like, hey, like I have to ask you this. I had Marcus Simeon on Bok Talk recently. And I was like, hey, like I'm just gonna ask you about free agency stuff, like nothing too crazy and, and stick to that too. Um, sometimes you you switch gears because like they'll say something and you're like, oh, tell me more about that. Um, and and just like that, like have a conversation with them and then just keep doing that and and go from there. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, no different. Like I'm, and Nicole, or not Nicole, um, Rachel helped me with that a lot when it came to reaching out to agents to establish relationships with them. And it's no different. You're just having a conversation and stuff like that. And especially for me, if now it's now that everything's over digital and stuff, I just, I have them come on my podcast and it's, that's an easier intro because I see them in person like, Hey, like, Thanks for coming on Bog Talk. Can I ask right. you some questions? I have to do this for work. Da, da, da. But just talk to them. They're just, they're normal human beings and they know it's part of their job too. And, and they know sometimes you don't want to ask the questions, but you have to and even preface it with that. One of my colleagues had asked Mike Fires about it. He goes, Hey, I'm so sorry. I have to ask you. Fires was great about it. He's like, I know, dude, like no worries. They get it. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, there's definitely some guys who just don't get it at all. Like I mean, we've I, had an I issue. Though I mean, in like, in like, I also get like after a game if the the dude goes zero for four, his ERA ballooned to eleven. That's know the room. Read the room. Great... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice too. Is read the room, and uh, there's so many unwritten rules too that come that come with like going in a clubhouse. So those are things that people just breaking into the industry are gonna figure out rather quickly. Hey, don't, don't sit next. Don't sit. Don't talk to the starting pitcher on a, the day of his, like all that stuff is stuff you will figure out very quickly in this industry. Um, so you've gone to interview a number of players at this point. I don't know, like, I don't know how many, probably too many to count at this point, right? Yeah, it's actually so, kind of cool. I'm like, I can't, it's great. people ask me who I've met, I have to, or like, if I've met a player, I'd have to like think, because I don't so remember. Who, if you had to pick one interview or just, I guess, one player, or it could be a coach, it could be anybody, actually, who has been your favorite interview to this point, uh, who would it be and why? Um, I don't know. I know it's putting you on the spot a little bit, but. It's tough. And so I'm lucky enough where I can't give you a confident answer because there have been good ones. Brandon yeah. Belt really surprised me. And okay. not just because he's a Joey Votto fan, but that was cool. Even my episode coming out today was Jerry Harrison Jr. Not a big name, but like he had a lot of stories. He told me like he called Tim Lincecum a hippie and told him to get his hair cut because he talked so much shit. That was his thing. You know how much Tim Lincecum probably got in that though? He's probably like, get some new material. I, I thought that too. I was like, did he think that you said it or like the umpteenth person in the crowd said it? Yeah. Um, and then Joe Montana heckled him. He gave me a Joey Votto story. Um, Anytime I talk to a pitching coach, I could sit or, or a hitting coach, I could just like listen to them like crazy. Is Scott that because Kevin, of sort of the science of pitching and like that type of stuff and just what goes into it? See stuff that you would never see. And especially yeah. like, you know, the way that pitching is these days and like spin rate and stuff like that. Like they just talk about that. Um, Liam Hendricks, always amazing. Always amazing. Because you I literally don't yeah. know what you're going to get. You don't. Yeah. Um, who else did I have? Um, Tony Gwynn Jr. is just fantastic just because he sounds like his dad and it just feels like you're getting a big warm hug. <laughs> um, I didn't actually interview Vin Scully, but I was on the, um, what's it called? 
press call, conference call when he retired. And I remember I was listening to it at a Starbucks and my, I was like tearing up, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't blame you. I, th- I think I would. <laughs> yeah. Buck That's Showalter was really good. Um, who else did I have? Jabba Chamberlain was of course good. You know, I talked to him. Yep. Um, so yeah. What about on the opposite side? Like, has there? You don't have to say names for this one, but have there been guys who have just been jerks? And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to no. talk to that. Really? Honestly, no. I think the most trying one was Tony Larusa, but even then, he wasn't. It was it was my kind of my fault. He's like, that's a good question, and I thought he was done answering the question, so I continued, and he just kind of kept talking. So, but that was like literally it. I've been really lucky. Um, what about the most starstruck you've been? And I, and that would come at the beginning of your Joey career. Botto, probably, but, but even then, yeah. like that wasn't, I wasn't that starstruck. Business was, as usual. I, yeah. It was like, I had to do a job and my, my boss was amazing and let me cover it. He was like, oh, you're going to cover the A's um, Reds game, which the A's never play the Reds. It was really weird. And I was like, oh, oh. And, and so that was really cool. So we talked about Barry Bond stuff. I did leave and I shook his hand. I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your work. Thank you so much. And he, it was cool. Like, but um, I'm trying to think, I think the most starstruck I might be would be like um, Cal Ripken Jr. That's trying to get one. him on Bok Talk or Eric Chavez because Eric Chavez is the reason why I became an A's fan. So is he? Why is that? Just because of how great he was? The first run I ever saw in person. Okay. Mine was Carl Everett, and it's so that's a little different. <laughs> Definitely right. a different personality. <laughs> I guess, like, personality-wise, I don't know if I would. Yeah. I don't know. So writing, podcasting, video, social media, everything you do, you can pick one. What brings you the most joy in your job day-to-day? Um, Loaded question, I know. Does it just I, depend on the day, pretty much? It depends on the day. It's, I, I would say like recording my podcast bring me a lot of joy only because I love people and I love talking to them and I love, I love seeing them get comfortable as the conversation goes on. So anything with that, like at the beginning, like it just, imagine meeting somebody 17 times a day when you're doing like a media day. Yeah. Um, I just want them to be comfortable and that's, that's my ultimate goal. So I think podcasting would probably be, because I mean, if I just had to stop it, like, obviously, as you know, you could do so many things on top of podcasting. I can create the VODs. I can write an article. I can post this on television if I need social media, all that. But I, I genuinely like the connection of somebody and getting something unique from them, not just to be like, Ooh, I got that out of him, but just to know that, or her, but just to know that like, they trusted me enough to tell me a cool story warms my heart or, and it kind of is like a cool thing when I have like a big guest on and people are like, Oh shit. She like got that guest. Cause all the Bok talk episodes besides the media days, I've pretty much gotten all those guests on my own that period. And that's tough to do. I don't think people realize how difficult the behind the scenes of this is even this little thing that I'm doing, which is really just to get reps. I like, it's tough to book those interviews, have the courage to follow up. If they're, if you're getting ghosted, like you, people don't realize you got to follow up. You got to be annoying. You got to be, you have to be all those things. And if they don't like you, they don't like you and you don't talk to them. That's, that's pretty, pretty much how it goes. Um, so what other interests do you have? We'll get to baseball in a second, but what other interests do you have? Like what things, if sports didn't exist tomorrow, what do you see yourself getting involved in? Um, lately I'm trying to figure out how to utilize my platform a little bit more. 
I like the idea of like telling people my story and how tough it was. Cause just saying like, I'm a college dropout is just the beginning. You know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of things. So I've always just kind of wanted to like be somewhat of an, not want to say a motivational speaker. Cause I feel like that's silly, but I just want to talk to people about the world. Um, but I, I did want to be an interior designer when I was growing up. I, I still, you know, like that idea. I love decorating and like, look how great my set looks. Uh, yeah. It does look good. I yeah, love the Votto so, sign. Of course. Of course. My girlfriend, one of my best friends just moved from California and that was her license plate and she gave it to me. She's the reason really? I felt my affinity for Votto for sure. Yeah. The reason why he's my man crush, if you will. Um, That's not the only reason. Let's be honest. I mean, that on base percentage, I mean. Why would you not love that? Exactly. Like has Moneyball written all over it? Like, stop it. Um, Yeah. How is he not an A yet? um, Because he deserves better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an honest answer. Deserves more money. (laughs) Um, But, and, you know, I mean, eventually I want to be a mom and a wife. And I'm not saying like I would do that over working, but um, but I love social media. So maybe something in that from a different, you know, brand perspective, but I love writing too and like creating stuff. So maybe just a writer or something in digital media, some media, um, because I feel like sports are great, but eventually I, I want to try something different, you know, so maybe like a crime reporter would be kind of cool. That's interesting. I love, yeah. I love crime. I love what true- other what other topics are you passionate about when it comes to writing? Cause I, I find it very hard. I love writing when I'm passionate about it. I hate writing when I just don't care about the topic. I'll be honest, my job's writing, but if I have to write about something I genuinely do not care about, that's a very difficult thing to do. So what are some other things that you think you, that would come easy to you to write about? Um, I don't want to reveal too much cause I do have some okay. projects in the works, Ooh, but all right. um, there are, there are other things that, that are written when we're in form that I'm passionate about. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, that's another good preview. Uh, so a little bit of baseball talk now to wrap things up. You, we mentioned Trevor Bauer earlier. What he's doing with momentum is awesome. I'm a big fan of it. Um, but you haven't listened to one episode of Corked Up. You know what? That's the first thing I'm going to do after we hang up is I'm going to listen to the first episode. Listen to Not the, the one first where we episode. talk about Kim Ang. We talk about okay. Kim Ang we, we talked with her and Rachel and I talked about Kim Ang and you'll ha- listen to that episode. It's my favorite one that we've done. Okay. That's the one I'm listening to then if that's your recommendation and I'm, I'm sure I'll listen to more too. Yeah. Uh, so Bauer's doing his thing. I don't see many. I mean, I think there are other players kind of putting themselves out there a little more. Amir Garrett's one. Everybody's starting a a podcast right now. It's for sure. Yeah. And Amir Garrett has that. He has a Twitch stream. I don't know if you've ever tuned into it. He's another player who's kind of put himself out there. Uh, Actually played against him in MLB The Show. Not a big deal, though. I beat him in MLB The Show. It doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm just saying that I beat him in MLB The Show. So no big deal. Right. Uh, so there are other players doing their part, but what are some things MLB needs to do on its end to make people care about the sport? Because it feels like the players are sort of doing their part. There are players who don't care for the bat flipping and don't care for the just have fun, blah, blah, blah. But what does MLB need to do to compromise a little bit? I think, I mean, I could talk to him blue in the face saying what market your players better. But, yeah, market but it's so broad though. Like, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, cause they so, do like, I'll see the MLB account, whoever runs that account's actually good at their job. Like yeah. they've, they've been doing well, but what other ways can they do that? 
I feel like have a better connection with the players. Like I know like the people like Trevor, they want to do their own platform because they sometimes don't trust the media, but figure out a way to trust the media. How can we do that? So it starts with us, right? Like I, you know, that's why I'm trying to be better at my job. So I do interview like Chris Davis. I want to be like, Hey, Chris, is this what you meant by when you said this, like you want to make sure you're not just, and it sucks because like, uh, like sometimes when I'm in the clubhouse, you know, last two seasons ago, whenever that was, I want to bring the reader into the clubhouse just for my observations, but not what they've said. You know, what they said is I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying that message correctly. Um, but I think we need better people in the media who aren't just trying to get news breaking. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that cause I don't break news, but <laughs> I, I want that for them. I want them to have a good relationship with us. So MLB sees that, okay, let's start from there. And okay. the only way we can do that is if we're all kind of on the same wavelength. So there's MLB, I feel like MLB's here. The Trevors are here. I'm here. And it's like, we all need to kind of work together. Not too closely. Trevor needs to do his own thing. MLB needs to do their own thing. But like, remind yourself how sexy baseball is, how right. fun it is. And cut four can only do so much. Cut four can only do so much. I can only do so much. You know, uh, pitching ninja can only do so much. So it's just like from that dynamic. So we need kind of like the clutch points type of vibe with an MLB and just like, the weirdness cool great slash line cool chris bassett's slow dropping curve makes me weak in the knees but <laughs> why does it make you weak in the knees what right. is he doing to make you go weak in the knees with that pitch and and stuff like that and just you know more pop culture involved too like tell me what bryce harper's cleats are where did he get that from or you know, how are they able to still chew when there's a no tobacco or like, like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that I, I care about without, you know, getting too much in their personal lives. Um, and they do a good job, but I think we need to have a better way of making it so they can trust us to market them better. Like I want to yeah. be able to be like, Hey, these, these cleats are good, but tell me about them so I can tweet it out. For me, the big thing is, they're they for whatever reason they do not like when media or even if you're not in the media they just don't like their clips their highlights shared that's something that's been going on for years now and they haven't really lightened up on it where other leagues sort of have like the copyright and everything like you'll get you'll get a notice in 20 minutes after posting a baseball clip that hey it's getting taken down that automatically is limiting people from seeing these awesome highlights or just these awesome moments that are going on in the sport. So that's, that's kind of my thing is we do do everything we can to make the sport fun, but you're sort of limiting our ability to show it to everybody else. And we're the media. So we should be able to do that. But for example, NBC sports Bay area, you guys own uh, like you air the games. NBC Sports Boston does not air Red Sox games. So if we yeah, were to, definitely. yeah. So if we were to do that, we would immediately get a takedown notice. And that that kind of sucks. And I know that's because more of a Nesson thing in that that kind of example. But in general, you just can't share clips. And I think for me, anyways, that's the big thing. And I I just I don't know personally how we do that, how we get them to be like, hey, maybe you benefit your game better if you do it this way. I I don't know either, fam. But I, I, agree. Talk to him. I agree. It's, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a tough. Nobody knows because no one's been able to figure it out. I MLB was, hasn't been able. To I was like still tweeting out a bunch of like videos that I saw like after I left Cut Four, and I think they kind of were lenient with me just because I had a relationship. But yeah, then I was then I I got in trouble from a certain other place because it wasn't fair that I was allowed to and others weren't. I see. I don't know. Work hard. Maybe people like you. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, obviously you cover the A's and the Giants, which we've already talked about. And I don't know if you've covered this topic on Bok Talk. Uh, if you have, I apologize. But how do you see these two teams approaching this offseason? And do you have any personal predictions, I guess, for signings and what direction they'll, they'll head in? Um, Giants just need pitching. Yes. They, they desperately need pitching. That feels like every team desperately needs pitching because like- No, you but all they really need it. Yeah, they really, really do. Um, so I th- feel like, you know, Gosman accepting that qualifying offer was certainly a help. But, like, look at all the positives, right? Buster Posey should be back. He's not going to be a game changer, but I think they need that veteran presence back. Crawford's always hot at shortstop. Belt, you never really know what you're going to get with him. Maybe you'll have another yeah. hot season. You never know. Alex Dickerson, however, he's coming back. This was his first off season where he didn't have to rehab an injury. He told me this recently, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And when a dick is on – watch out. And Mikey Strzemski could literally just be a half-ass player and be amazing. Dude's right. hitting bombs with two strikes on him, ice in his veins. Cool. What a year he yeah. had, huh? Yes, yeah, so they definitely need pitching for sure. Um, and Farhan's 80 has been talking a lot about these young guys. From the beginning, he was talking about these young guys coming into the season. Um, but they also have a strong um, – so some of these younger – right-handed pitchers are going to be coming up through the ranks to pay attention to them but their pitching staff is or the pitching coaching staff I should say is really good you have Andrew Bailey on there and that pitching staff added a few more miles per hour velocity on Drew Smiley who was able to turn a four million dollar contract into an 11 million dollar contract with the Braves so I feel like if they get the right guy they have maybe, maybe like a diamond in the rough type of deal like I don't think they're gonna get Trevor Bauer I would love it there's actually some good vibes about that just because Rachel's she grew up a Giants fan. Um, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are not going to be that great. So there's a chance for the Giants to make it interesting. Don't think they're going to win the NL West, but right. we'll see. Um, so I think if they concentrate on the pitching, which obviously they are, um, they get a guy that they can kind of add some speed under that velocity or even a guy who can really take advantage of some of those secondary pitches, like something might happen. Like they're definitely not a team that you need to sleep on. That's for sure. As far as the A's, Laud, I don't know. <laughs> um, so- you never know what the A's. That's what makes them so fun to follow. Is I so every year I make predictions when it comes to these teams, and uh, I they're the one team that I look at their rotation, I look at their lineup, and I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking know. I'm gonna put them like s- second or third place, and I hope that works. Like I, I genuinely do not know because they're not household names outside of, like, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, like, Chris well, Davis. They're not really household Not names. really, yeah. Right. So I, I feel like they just need to kind of build off of what they had because they brought Tony Kent back, which is interesting because that second base position, I feel like LaStella needs to come back. But he just mm-hmm. absolutely has to. And Billy Bean made it very clear that's one of their priorities is to bring him back. And the Marcus Simeon thing, I have no idea. I think it's no down one knows. here. Yeah. And I just asked him and he said, you know, that was not enough time in 2020. It was not enough time. And I truly believe that. Um, and especially for him, who was coming off a strong 2019. But teams are asking if he possibly moved to third base. So that might actually 
benefit him away from the A's. I don't know. But there's some shortstops that are out, like Andrelton Simmons, who's an interesting thought. Um, but I feel like they would have to go get somebody to replace him. Right. But they want him back. He's bigger than just what he does on the field. He's a big guy in the Oakland community from that dynamic. Um, but maybe one more veteran pitcher. I kind of like maybe a Corey Kluber would be kind of interesting. So um, I actually, I have Kluber going to the A's in my, like I made a, I wrote an article, all predictions. I have Kluber going to the A's. He, he has to prove it this year. I mean, he's coming yeah. off an injury. He pitched or, one inning. Or Lance Lynn. That's, that's another I, good one. That's a I nice I love fit. that idea. They need a veteran presence. I don't think Mike Fires is going to be back. If he is, I don't see him being part of that starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, Shamanaya better have a better season. Frankie Montes, if he's on it, he's going to be talked about for an AL Cy Young Award uh, possibility. You can say the same Lizardo. thing about Lazardo. Yeah. yeah Lazardo, definitely um, a possible Cy Young candidate for me. Um, and then it'd be nice to the Chris Bassett situation. We'll see. He was our most dependable pitcher last season to watch. Right. And he was vying for a starting spot just in the rotation. And he ended up being the most dependable. And I tell you that curve mama loves. So just from that dynamic, but hitting wise, I think they're good. We're going to have Chappie back, which is good. Um, and I say we, because I love watching him play. We as a society get Matt Chapman Absolutely. Back. Ollie's going to be back. Um, and then you have, like I said, Tony Kemp signed. But Sean Murphy, watch out for him, dude. That guy has so much power. I was going to say, he can hit. He can hit. And Bob Melvin's a former catcher himself. So just watching him, he's just like a proud dad. Yeah. Um, and so, the, I mean, outfield is going to be, we're going to see. Because Robbie Grossman is a free agent. And um, I feel like when he's on it, he's a game changer. He absolutely is. And then we got Pinder back, too. And the guy, you can put him anywhere, and he's good. Um, so, I'm not worried about them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the front office does. Yes. As it, it always is. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is there, so outside of the A's and the Giants, are there any, the way you see the dominoes falling for the rest of the league, any predictions for big names going to certain places? I, I, don't, I know none of us really know anything right now, but what, do you, what destinations do you have your eye on for some of the biggest free agents out there? I got to be honest, I don't know. I, I would like George Springer to possibly come to a, like a, the Giants would be kind of cool. Um, but I don't, I foresee him probably staying with the Astros, I would assume. Really? Okay. I really do. Um, just because they didn't do a lot. They didn't have any of the, non, the non-tender stuff happen. So I yeah. don't know if that, what that exactly means, but that could mean something from that. Um, JT Real, Real Muto is kind of a, I have no idea. I mean, yeah, the Phillies, always, I guess, are out on them. So it's like now we're benefit from a veteran catcher with power. Period. Yeah. Period. He's far and away the most valuable player on the market. You could say Bauer too, but those yeah. two guys, it's one A, one B, then boom, everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as Lindor goes, I know he's not a free agent, but like his situation is just weird. Um, but I feel like he's he would have to move because that that market next season is just awkward the writing's on the wall with him for sure yeah honestly though i don't know i couldn't i'm like the worst with predictions but i don't think we're gonna have anything happen until spring training starts i don't think trevor bauer or george springer i mean i feel like george springer might get a situation earlier but i feel like bauer is gonna wait to the end because it looks like the starting pitching market's pretty good right now they gave minor great deal with the royals um and they're just lucky to have me just a good dude um, from that perspective, but it looks like it's kind of creating something. And I did ask Luba, I was like, do you agree that it's a good starting pitcher market right now? And she agreed. So 
Well, that's always a good sign when you have the agent saying that. Yes. Where, where is he going? You, you have the inside I mean, info. I want, I don't care where he goes. I just want him to be happy. That's a, that's a cop-out answer. You don't have a it's prediction? That's a cop-out answer. I genuinely <laughs> want him to be happy because I know it's, no, a, I it's hear a, you. the things that Rachel and him are going through right now. I just, I want him and her to be happy. That's all I care about. I heard San Diego is a pretty nice place. San Diego is a nice place. Yeah. So we'll see about that. Yeah. Not just saying. Uh, player you're most excited to watch in 2021. You can't say Joey Votto. Who is the guy you have your eye on as the, the guy everyone should have their eye on? Ramon Laureano. Interesting. Okay. Why is that? How is that interesting? Well, it's just not a guy. I mean, we just talked about the A's aren't, they don't have exactly a roster of guys that you have on your mind all the time. Then pay so, attention to Ramon Laureano. I do. And I, you know what? He, he didn't look great in the fight against the Astros uh, entire uh, bench, but he did look good other than that this year. So I mean, he took pick. on the whole Astros team. Well, first off, it was also that guy's fault, that guy who was kind of yeah. doing this. I, I know this is a podcast. So people no, he was that. also he was talking like, shit about Ramon Laureano's mother, which you don't do. That's not good. Yeah, you don't do that. All just Justin, aside, I got to get going soon because my I'm, shit is about to start. That's fine. I'm about to wrap this up. Anyway, okay. I really appreciate you coming on, Jess. This was a lot of fun. Have a great rest of your day. And again, thank you for everything. Not a problem at all. Thanks, Justin.